uh, I, I can go here, I can go there, and, and I can do this, I can do that, I can do other things. Think, well, this is what I'm going to do with myself. And, you know, especially people, Karen's grandparents and my grandparents were married. Uh, I think Corey and Fuchsia were married over 56 years. My grandparents were married over 55. And they never, they just wasn't apart. You saw one, you saw the other. Uh, and I remember the times that maybe going to the grocery store or something, other time in the grocery store, to, uh, and they'll say, well, I, uh, Coy's gone. I just don't know what I'm going to do myself. You ever been there? Evidently, nobody has. Y'all look like you should have stayed at home. <laughs> Amen. Or I'm not doing a very good uh, job of illustrating it. But 2019, we've got a brand new year, a brand new start. Uh, over on the calendar, uh, and I was thinking today, preacher. I think this is the first year we don't have a stack of calendars at the church. Uh, they send them to us. They want us to buy more, uh, and we stack them up and we use them. and And I noticed today I don't have one. Um, but it, we're starting a brand new year, and and so what are you going to do with yourself next year? Has the preacher talked so graciously out there in the in the teachers' meeting about uh, Nehemiah and uh, all that went on there? Uh, and some things that we can do to help us. Uh, do you want to stay the same as you were last year? you want to do the same things you've done last year? Do you want to get closer to God, do more for the Lord, be obedient to God, be faithful to God, and, and do what's pleasing unto Him? And, and just have a, a closer walk with God. Well, it's, it's not my job tonight to fix that. But it is my job tonight to preach and, or try to or teach or whatever you want to call it tonight. To help us to understand that God said there's some things that we can do to make ourselves better in the Lord, better to our neighbors, and better to one another. And most of all, uh, well, never, nothing never getting better than being closer to the Lord, but for our church and our homes and our lives. Uh, and let's look here in Romans chapter. Romans chapter 6 and verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism unto death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also shall walk in newness of life. For if we walk... For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. For if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. For that he dieth... He died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Let's pray. Father, we love you tonight. Thank you for the privilege, Lord, to be back in your house. Thank you, Lord, for all these that have come. Thank you, Lord, for uh, this 2018, Lord, and all the great things you did in our lives, in our church. God, and the great things that you've done in this world. And Lord, we're looking to you, Lord, tonight, Lord, to do greater things. And God, help us, God, to surrender that vessel, God, that we live in, Lord, unto thee. Dear God, that you might use us, Lord, in a great and mighty way in this coming year. Not we of ourselves, but Lord, a vessel, a conduit, Lord, that you, 
Lord, might use for your honor and for your glory. Lord, if there's one that's lost tonight, they'd be saved by your marvelous grace. Thank you, Lord, for touching our pastor, Lord, and helping him, Lord, to be here tonight. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. Returning home from a long journey was a pirate who had spent many years lying and stealing and cheating in a faraway land, storing up a great chest of treasure for himself. The pirate held on tightly to that chest because he saw in it something much more value than just jewels and gold. Rather, he saw in that uh, treasure chest the fulfillment of his dreams, his hopes, and his aspirations. And he knew that the treasure was his key to a good life. The pirate, having made his fortune, decided it was time to return home. And after boarding the ship and having traveled a great distance from the shore, a storm arose. It didn't take long for the storm to overtake the ship, and soon the ship began to break into pieces. Eventually, the pirate and his treasure plunged into the cold sea. He began to sink, holding on desperately to that chest. As the pirate was sinking, all that raced through his mind was, How can I get my treasure to the surface? Slowly, the pirate began to realize that life was not in the chest, but on the surface, and that holding onto the chest would cause him to die. Reluctantly, the pirate let, pirate let go of the chest and began to swim upwards toward the service. And we are a lot like that power, that pirate, excuse me. We want to hold on to our agendas. We want to hold on to our egos. We want to hold on to our fleshly desires, the things that please us, thinking that all the while, these are the things that's going to bring me happiness. These are the things that's going to bring me joy. These are the things that was going to take me to my old age or to the end of my journey. You know, but when I was lost without God, I, that's exactly where I was at. I thought, well, I'm a pretty good old boy and everything's pretty good and, and, and everything's okay. But boy, when God showed up, I found out who I really was. I was just a lost sinner like everybody else. But, in reality, folks, those fleshly desires and thinking all the while that all those things and that this pirate thought what was in that chest was going to be his life. He was going to have a good life. Everything was going to be fine until he realized that if he held on to that treasure, it was going to cost him his life. But some of the things that we're holding on to as children of God are costing us that walk with God that God wants us to have. They're costing us things, not only a walk with God, they're costing us faithfulness to the Lord, they're costing us obedience to the Lord, because God's told us and instructed us in His Word to stay away from some things. Those things that, that bring heartache, those things that, that, well, they're sin. See, we have that sentence of death in ourselves that we shouldn't trust in ourselves, but trust in God which raises the dead. And if you're saved or not, you've been raised from the dead. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. Paul here wrote in these words, he's talking about the suffering. Uh, this was also used for the sufferings of the Savior. In our flesh, there are some sufferings that come our way because we're human and we're subject to pain. I noticed this morning as Joy was leading the choir, he had a big old black bruise on his thumb right there. And I thought he must have put that on top of a nail head so he'd be sure and hit the nail uh, that hurts. If you ain't never done it, uh, or you can be like some other fine gentleman that I know, hold up a, a two-inch nail gun and shoot the nail right through your finger. Now, that don't hurt at all. It just hurts when you pull it out, amen, if you don't pass out. But we're, our physical bodies are going to have some pain. We're going to suffer some pain. But there are also some other sufferings. 
that become that come our way because we're God's people. There's some heartaches that's going to come our way because we're, there's trials, there's tribulations, there's things that God's, there's tests that's going to come in our life and they're going to come for a specific pur- purpose and for a reason because everything that happens in our life is a divine appointment. There are no uh-ohs, no oops with God. There's only three possible outlooks that, that can, that we can take when it comes to the trials of life and that means they're either fate or chance, uh, if that's all we, we, the way we look at things, then our only course is just give up because we can't control either one of those. Or if we, if we control everything ourselves, then that situation's hopeless also. And one of the things that, that this morning in the Sunday school was to have faith in God and to believe God no matter what comes our way. Our theme this year is believe, dare to believe God. And folks, we think we've seen great and mighty things before, but God has much more. Amen. The things that He wants to do. Those two blind men that we talked about this morning were, uh, they had seen, they had heard God do great things. But then they began to cry out to follow Him, uh, and they experienced some great things on their own. Uh, and God done those things just exactly, just for them. And God encourages in all our tribulations by teaching us from His Word that it's He who permits those trials to come. And they come our way to help us to grow in our faith, to grow in our obedience, to test our faith, to make us stronger. Uh, We go right back uh, in the Bible. David said, you know, here's the Philistine. Now, if this was David's first time to taking a stand for God and walking out against the Philistine... The story would have probably read a little different. But David said, hey, there was a bear. God gave me the victory. There was the lion, and God gave me the victory. And now this Philistine is going to die. Because he had already seen God do some things in his life. And see, God is in control of our trials. Paul was weighted down like a beast of burden with a load too heavy to bear uh, that we're talking about here. And he's being delivered in the, the, in our title in the Bible said, Deliverance from the Power of Indwelling Sin. We've been saved, we've been passed from death into life, and we still, but we still live in this flesh. We don't know what the Pacific trouble was when we're talking about Paul there, when he's talking about that thorn in the flesh, but it was great enough to Paul thought sometimes he was going to die. And sometimes God allowed those things to come in our life when we think there's no way out. We don't see the way out. We can go talk to everybody else and they say, well, I don't know what you're going to do. I'm just going to, you're just going to believe God. And, that, and that's the greatest advice that you can give anybody is simply just to believe God. But as Matthew preached this morning uh, on the th- three Hebrew tr- children, when God puts his children into the furnace, he keeps his hand on the thermostat and his eye on the temperature. He knows exactly how hot he's going to make it. He knows exactly when to turn it down or to take you out. He knows exactly what he's going to do with you wherever it is that you and I are at. Paul may have despaired of life, but God didn't despair of Paul. You know, we get the idea sometimes that we, when God does things in our life, when God uses us to do things, and we think, boy, we've arrived, we're finally being used of God. And then in a very short time, you find out you fall flat on your face. God allows that to help us to understand, hey, big boy, it ain't you that's doing it. It's me. 
You're taking my glory. You're taking my honor. You're going to fall flat. And God's always going to do that. He's not going to give his honor and glory. You're not going to share. I'm not going to share his honor and his glory. So the first thing God does is to show us how weak we are in ourselves. Paul was a very gifted servant of God. Paul was a man who believed God. And surely you're thinking in all of his experience that he would be, uh, it would be sufficient for him to face these new difficulties and overcome them. But God wants us to trust him. Not our gifts, not our abilities, not our experience, not our spiritual reserves, not uh, who we are or where we are or whatever is in our life. He wants us to trust him. He said in 2 Corinthians 12, 10, For when I am weak, then I am strong. That's when we realize we're not doing it ourselves. What are you going to do with yourself? What are we going to do with ourselves? God tells us exactly what it is that He wants us to do with ourselves. When you and I die to self, then God's resurrection power can go to work. When we realize I can't do it, but God can. And we believe God to do the impossible. We believe God to do those things that we can't understand. We can't figure out. I believe all through the Bible, God wants us to do all we can, but He also wants us to come to the end of ourselves so that He can do it. So that He can take over. See, however, dying to self does not mean idle complacency. Doing nothing, expecting God to do everything. That don't mean, I, I just can't get away from brother... Uh, Steve Dagenhart sitting up here and said, people he had visited said, yeah, God's going to do it. God's going to take care of it. We're going to believe God. God said he promised, he promised he's going to do it. But they don't give God five minutes. They don't go to the church. They don't honest with God. They don't support the ministry. They don't support me. They don't do anything for us. God's going to do it. You've got to get off your duff and do all you can for the glory of God and come to the end of ourselves. We can be a vessel that God can use. See, you can be sure that Paul prayed, he searched the scriptures, and he consulted with those that are around him. He trusted God to work. And the God who raises the dead is sufficient for any difficulty of life, anything that comes our way. Paul just didn't sit around. Paul talked to people. Paul was about the business of God. Uh, one of Teddy Roosevelt's children said of him, Father always wanted to be the bride at every wedding and the corpse at every funeral. Have you ever met anybody like that? They want to be the star of the show. And if they're not the star of the show, they're going to make themselves the star of the show. That's one good thing about grandbabies. Bless God, they are the star of the show, ain't they, Libby? <laughs> Amen. Everybody ought to have some of them little fellers and little girls. Because God wants us to understand he's the star. He's the bright and morning star. He's the lily of the valley. So the scriptures speak of what to do with yourself. Number one, he tells us in Matthew 16 and 24 that we are to deny ourselves. Then said Jesus and his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up the cross and follow me. Jesus' death commands the total commitment of a man. Jesus went to the ultimate Jesus didn't go so far and stop and say, this is as far as I'm going. He went all the way to the cross and beyond the cross. He went to the grave. He went beyond the grave. He came out of the grave. 
And he went and he ascended to the right hand of God and he sits there tonight to make intercession for every man and every woman, boy and girl that will put their faith and trust in him. So how can we ask God to do anything more? And yet we do many times. God, if you'll just give me a sign, I'll believe. He'd give you a whole book full of signs. Well, if, if God, if you just send somebody back from the dead, he sent somebody. Jesus came back from the dead. And now we're throwing him out of churches, schools, homes, and everywhere else. And to think in this next coming year, this morning, is these young people in this church are, are going to face a time in the church that you and I can only talk about now. Like the preacher talked in the, in the, in the teacher's class out there a while ago. Like, uh, these children are facing things, they're going to face things that you and I have never faced. And yet we're facing the, the homosexual crowd now. We're facing the sodomites now. We're facing sin and God being cast out of everything and everywhere. Instead of people denying themselves, it's all about me. And you're going to make it about me. It's, it's going to be about me. Jesus said unto his disciples, if a man will come after me, let him deny himself. So in 2019, one of the greatest things you and I can do as children of God with ourselves is to deny ourselves and let God rule and reign. A person, uh, number one, a person must will to follow Christ. It's not going to just happen. It's not just going to come about. It's not just going to be something that comes in the mail. It's going to be something that you'll have to will. That will means to desire, to, to on purpose, uh, resolve, determine. It's a deliberate willing, a deliberate choice, a determined resolve to follow Christ. Last year I was weak. Last year I was weak in this area. Last year I was weak in that area. You're not probably not going to get all the areas, but you can choose one and say, this year I'm going to, I want to do more for God here. Oh God, I need you to help me. I need you. I want to deny myself. I want to, I want to do what's pleasing unto you. God, I have a hard time handing out tracts. Would you help me to hand out tracts this year? Amen. You don't have to speak a word to hand out a tract. You don't have to, you can't say, here, can you read this? You go to a restaurant to eat, you can leave one laying on the table. You can go places and leave. You can just, you can talk to people. You can, uh, I'll, I'll tell you something. The world's not bashful anymore about handing out their stuff. That's right. If you don't think so, you follow me and the preacher around and see how many phone calls we get on our warranty on our cars for our children's college funds and for, uh, health insurance. They call, do you, do you get them? They call you on your cell phone. Used to, that was against the law. And now, if it comes up 612 and there ain't no name pops with it, I block that sucker because that's who it is. The phone will ring at the church. It's, a, it's so-and-so. We don't. But a person must will to follow Christ. Then a person must deny self. That word means to disown, disregard, forsake. That's what Paul was talking about here. But no, this, this is not the call just to say no to some behavior or to some thing. It's a, it's a call to say no to self. God, I'm not, I don't want to do what pleases me this year. I don't want to do what pleases me today. See, you won't do it a year at a time, but you can do it a day at a time. You can do it an hour at a time. You can be challenged. 
Uh, every hour of every day, we're all challenged uh, in, in, in all areas of our life. It's not just giving up something or doing without something, but it means that we act positively to say yes to Christ and no to self. When we don't, when, when, if you set a time to pray, have you ever seen such a time to be challenged of that as the time that you pray? Or to read your Bible? You can be wide awake. You can, one of my things, I go to bed sometimes and you get the wide eye. You just lay down, you can't hold your eyes open in the living room, you go to bed, boop. Your mind's running 40,000 40, miles an hour, and you're thinking about all these things. And then you say, well, I can't go to sleep. So instead of picking up your Bible, you pick up your cell phone and get on Facebook and lay down and say, well, what's everybody doing? And then you find out what they're doing. Well, I think I'll try that. And you post something on, you post something on there about being in the house of God or church. Sometimes there's that crowd out there, they'll blister you. And you think, well, I thought, I thought you loved the Lord. I thought you was, I thought you wanted to serve God. Well, they ain't nobody has to go to church that much. They ain't nobody needs to go to church as much. You're just a bunch of fanatics over there. But it means that we're to act positively. And say yes to the Lord. It means to let Christ rule in our hearts and our lives. To let Christ have his way completely. That means this morning, I uh, used the illustration. Brother Caleb was helped me there uh, of faith. And, and listen to the directions of God in every way that we go. And then we get to that place when God tells us to do that one thing. This morning, I just asked him to simply, not that I'm trying to teach the lesson again, but it really helped me. And it, it was that... Caleb, I brought him to that place. I said, Caleb, there wasn't a chair here for you to sit in. But I'm going to ask you now, I'm going to ask you to sit. I said, do you believe there's a chair for you to sit in? He said, yes, I do. I said, why do you believe there's a chair for you to sit in? He said, because I trust you. And folks, that's the way God is with us. When that time comes, that thing comes, whatever it is, to just simply trust Him and believe He's there and He's able to take care of it. And if we deny ourselves, it makes it a whole lot easier. Okay, God, I asked Caleb, I said, did you see a chair sitting here before? No, because there wasn't one. And sometimes for you and I, that's what that thing is by faith, is stepping out and believing God is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things. God, I didn't see it, but if you said it, I'm going to believe it. And I'm going to do it and deny ourselves. Thirdly, is we've got to take up our cross. Folks, there's going to be some suffering. There's going to be some pain. There's going to be some heartaches for us to determine, as we said earlier, there's a divine purpose for those things. Number four, a person must follow Jesus. That means to follow means a, a follow or companion, to be a disciple. It has that ideal of seeking to be in union with. The closeness. Do you know when you get in the car in the morning to go to work, God's in there with you? And we worry about when there's a time to pray. And I understand we want a specific time to pray, but you can pray in the car. You can pray in the car, outside the car, on top of the car, under the car, washing the car, or getting the car dirty. You can pray anywhere and everywhere. And you'll find out that it becomes a whole lot easier to get a hold of him when we just talk to him all the time. Just to have that attitude. Again, it's not a passive behavior, but it's an active commitment. 
And this year, what do we do with ourselves is to make an, uh, a will ourselves and have an active commitment to deny, deny ourselves. And then, uh, not only that, but to judge ourselves. Judge oneself. 1 Corinthians 13, 11 uh, and 31 says, For if we judge ourselves, we should not be judged. You don't have to have nobody to tell you do you've done something wrong. If you're saved and the Holy Spirit's not convicted of your sins, you better get saved. Because I'm going to tell you something. It don't make no difference where I'm at, where I'm at, what I do. I can have a thought. God said an evil imagination is sin. Uh, you can have the wrong, th- a wrong thought sin. We got the idea we got to go kill somebody, rob a bank or shoot somebody or whatever it is anymore that's sin. But folks, just the fact that we have an evil thought or an evil imagination. That's just as much sin as anything else. And God says for us to deny ourselves uh, and then to judge ourselves. You know, one of the biggest problems that I have, and I believe you have the same thing, is coping with difficult people is always a problem, particularly that difficult person happens to be oneself. That jaybird that I meet in the window, in the mirror every morning is my biggest problem. He wants to do exactly what he wants to do. And I thought, when we was coming over the road, Karen said, you know what, you always think you're right, and you think always everything you think, I'm opposed to everything you say. And I said, amen, you're right, get it. <laughs> Pray for me on the way home, amen. It's going to be a long road. I'm going to go to four-lane highway so that people can find me. Harder for her to hide me. But that's the one I have the most trouble with. Is because I can't change nobody else. I can't make you live right. I work, I'm, I'm here at the church full time. I'm with the preacher probably as, not as much as Darlene, but pretty close. And he can't make me do right. And I can't make him do right. And he's the pastor. Now he can let me know when I don't do right. And he has been known to do that from here to there. And I'm sure Brother Matthew can vouch for, uh, you know, one of the red words is, watch, you got a minute? Okay, good. That could be good or bad. Amen. But, we deny ourselves, judge ourselves, because God already has spoke to our hearts and told us. And see, we must examine our own hearts, judge our sins, and confess them to the Lord. I don't need nobody to tell me I've done wrong. I don't need nobody to tell me I've sinned. So what am I going to do with myself? What, what can I do for myself that would help me next year to be closer to the Lord, that I could be a better help to my church, a better help to my pastor, deny myself, judge myself, keep the sin out of my heart and out of my life? And if you really know yourself, you cannot be too proud. You can't be too proud of yourself. You realize who you are. Job said this, Job said he despised. When Job had it, you know the story of Job. He had everything. He sacrificed for his children. He done it all. But in verse 42, I think in verse 5, he said, I've heard of thee with the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes have seen. And boy, once he saw God and who he was in all his glory, Job said, basically he said, I despise myself that I even thought about the things that I thought about God. What if your thoughts are my thoughts? I would not want God to lay out my thoughts sometimes that I have about him up here before you. Because sometimes I say, God, why did you do that? God, why, 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 why did you do that? Why do you do this? Why do you do that? And it's, it's okay to ask God why, but be sure you can handle the answer. Because sometimes like Job, boy, Job, 
God's answer for Job was exactly what Job needed. God done all of that in Job's life to bring him to a place. At the, even though the level he was, he was the richest man in the East and God had done everything. He, was, he just loved God. And all that he went through, he never sinned. But God had a different level for him. And it started, it all started back there. Somewhere along the line, Job had to come to himself and say, My soul, I thought I was doing, I thought, man, but Lord, I was in a mess. I, I hate that I, I, he just despised himself. And not only, uh, what do we do ourselves to deny ourselves and judge ourselves? But then God says here in Romans 6, 6, Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. That is the crucifixion of ourself. Folks, if you and I as individuals can crucify ourselves daily this next year and get behind our pastor and pray for him and support him and support our church and the cause of Christ and the work of Christ, there's no limit. He's God. Have you ever read in the Bible where God was limited? This, by this time next year, the size of this church, if each one of us won one soul, the size of this church could be doubled. Next year, the, usually our normal Sunday night attendance runs around a, a, a 100 to 103 and 104. Do you realize next year the Sunday night attendance could be between 200 and 208 or even more? Amen. If we just win one, just one, just one. That's challenging, folks, to just win one. Why can't I just win one soul? Why can't I just hand out one track? Why can't I not just, well, just win one? And it's not for the glory of Solid Rock Baptist Church, not because we have bigger numbers on the board. I tell you, it's very humbling tonight to sit in a place and hear another pastor talk about your church. And the words out of his mouth was, I looked around and saw the Rock Baptist Church is the only church in the area that's really doing anything for God. This is another pastor of another church. He said, I see the buses on the road. I see the little heads bouncing in the windows. I come by your parking lot. He said, that's, he said I'm telling you something. I, I listen, I listen to, to your pastor on the radio. He said, I'm telling you what I'm hearing. And that's, that's a very humbling experience to think, sir, it's not us. It's just him. Amen. I've been asked this question two or three times. Who's got the money in that church? I'm serious. I, we, we, we come by that church. We've seen them buildings down there. We've seen all that y'all do down there and everything. Who's, who's, who's? Who's, who's paying for all that? I mean, seriously. Is, who's got the money in that church? And I said, brother, I'm going to tell you something right now. If anybody in our church got any money, we don't know nothing about it. So if you know who it is, tell us. We're going to go talk to them. <laughs> and, I, and that's exactly what I said. And the preacher, I, we've talked about it. Because if there was a couple people in this church, a, a, a million, well, I won't say million, but if there was a couple people in this church that was paying for everything, you could explain it away. 
You could explain, well, they're doing this because so-and-so give the money. They're doing this because so-and-so give the money. They're doing this and that and the other. Me and the preacher all the time aggravating one another about going out in the backyard and digging up a thing full of money. And Eddie's got the most money buried in the yard, so we can't get him to dig up nothing. And, uh, but you just say, it's God. It's the Lord. It's just God. It's just God. It's just the Lord. You know what's... I, I, God knew it was going to... God touched our church and blessed our church the Sunday before it snowed because he knew the storm was coming. Amen. You think, well, that ain't nothing. That, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was, that was a big deal. You handled the finances. If you're the pastor, you handle the finances, you realize how big a deal that was. God knew the storm was coming. He sent the funds in before the storm ever got here because he knew we weren't going to be here that next Sunday. That's just the Lord. But crucifying ourselves, denying ourselves, and judging ourselves. See, that, that believer's old man was crucified with Christ. When you and I got saved, God done away with that old man. He, he died. And now we're a new creature in Christ Jesus. Our old self, our old life, our sinful self, our, sin, excuse, our sinful life. That old man means our old life without God. The old sinful life is immersed, identified with Christ in death. See, notice here, he talked about the body of sin might be destroyed. Sin is seen as a body, a whole package. The human body is seen as the seed of sin, as the instrument of sin. But when we died out into Christ, our inside's what changed. That's what God moved in. See, the idea is that all sin within a believer is destroyed, conquered, and forgiven, and crucified with Christ. The believer's freed from sin, and he starts new. Every sin you ever committed before that day you got saved is gone forever. God said he cast it as far as the east as the west, never to be remembered again. He cast it into the sea. And now he tells us, and see, this is where people get this idea, I can't live, I can't live a Christian life, so I'm not going to get saved. John 1 and 9, 1 John 1 and 9 says, If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's when you know you're saved and you go to God and you ask God to forgive you sins. That means when you're driving down 40 and somebody cuts you off. I was, I was coming through Valdez, from Drexel into Valdez, and there's two roads there. One has the arrows on the outside lane, you go straight. The other one has, you get up here so far, coming into the side of McDonald's zone, it's got the arrows to get over. And here was this young girl driving a car, and she, I was over here, and I must confess, I was, on, I was, I was looking at a text, reading a text, But I was in my lane doing what I was supposed to be doing except for reading text. And this, I looked over and I was in my truck and this woman just, I mean, she come right over on me. I mean, she just absolutely just eat me up. And I slammed the brakes on her. I thought, well, here comes a cussing. Here it comes. Get ready for it. It's going to happen. So just get ready for it. She pulled up a little past the white line. So I stayed back behind the white line so she couldn't get to me. Look at my handshake. And she done the most ridiculous thing I ever seen. She put that thing in reverse and backed up beside of me. I thought, you better be careful, you know. 
And then it's just like, and I just told her, I said, I just, she told me to roll the window down. Well, I'm in my truck. I can't roll the window down. I can't reach all the way over there and roll the window down. Got my seatbelt on and, and I didn't want to roll the window down and all that other stuff. And I said, I just told her, I said, ma'am, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. Because what else could I do? I mean, I don't, I don't think I was in the wrong, but I shouldn't have been on my phone. But I thought, you know, this one was fixing to give me a cuss and it's going to ruin my whole day. The rest of the day. And I thought, no, I'm just going to ask her to forgive me. And when I, I, just, I just told her, I said, I'm sorry. Like that. And it's almost like she started to cry. Uh, now, I don't know what she was doing. I, I don't know if she thought, I want to kiss you out and roll down the window. But I just told her, I said, I'm sorry. And, and I thought going on down the road, I shouldn't have done that. But then I thought, well, no, I should have done that because we don't get it right all the time, folks. You just don't get it right all the time. But if we work at it and try and work at it, folks, what do we do with ourselves? We just do a need to agree with God and just submit to our own execution and die out to ourselves and give God that vessel that He can use for His honor and for His glory. It'll make our homes better, it'll make your life better make our church better it'll make your witness better your testimony better it'll make your life for the Lord uh, like, like Matthew preached this morning uh, it, it'll help us all to stand for the glory of God preacher I'll stand your feet and head down the right close